0: into week three and four, and I have, I've already had people come up and go, hey, after hearing so and so's story, I thought about my story. I never really thought I had a story, but now I think I have a story. Do you have an extra week left that I can tell my story? I've got enough stories to go from here to Christmas, and uh, I, so here's what I said. I said, you know, we're, we've kind of got this series planned, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to practice telling your story until we do this series again. Tell it to your friends, tell it to your house group, tell it to your neighbor, tell it to your coworkers, because everyone has a story and the stories are continuing to be written and they are being written in order to be shared. And so I'm glad to hear that people are beginning to say, man, I'm I'm really starting to get in tune with my story and I'm starting to share my story, that was the point. And so this morning, we're going to share another story. This is Rachel Draper, who's a good friend, and, and uh, you know, Rachel, which, by the way, I don't pick these pictures. The only picture I picked was Chase. They picked their own pictures, and I love this one because it just, it is so you. Um, but Rachel uh, and I got to know each other a couple of years ago through Well House, and uh, her mom at that time, which she'll tell part of this story, but her mom at that time just said, hey, can you, can you begin praying with me for my daughter? Never met Rachel. So we just, we just started praying. Weeks, months, and then uh, Rachel finally came to church and began to to rewrite some story. And so she just wants to tell part of that this morning. And so, Rachel, I just want to begin by saying thank you for your willingness to share and uh, to tell your story. And I know it's a story that several this morning, if not everyone, is going to relate to because of what is going to be coined this morning is this sense of otherness. And I know otherness was a big part of your story in the beginning. I also know that, you know, this concept of developing kind of a a relationship with with God the Father was not an easy journey for you. And so just kind of take us to the beginning of this otherness, and let's just see what happens this morning.
1: All right, wonderful. Well, thank you all for listening. I guess you don't have a choice at this point, though.
0: Um, (laughs) Oh, they have a choice. I've seen people get up and leave, so... (laughs)
1: Well, when I sat down with Jason last week, I said, well, I don't know which parts of my story are really important. And he said, well, I think all of them are. So, um, so it all started November 6, 1991, when I was born. I'm just joking. I won't go back that far. But um, I did grow up going to church, um, and that was a pretty, pretty big part of our, our family's lives. And then uh, when I was, I guess, about 14, my parents got divorced. And that was not taken lightly at the church that we were going to. Um, and a lot of the folks at that church that I would put a lot of faith in and had kind of equated to God in my child brain um, did some things that I didn't, it didn't make sense, didn't, didn't uh, seem like something that, that God would do to me. Um, and so I kind of just shut it off. And uh, that's pretty much... I mean, my parents kind of made me go to church from 14 until I was out of the house, so I still kind of went, but um, my heart wasn't in it, and um, I had never been saved. i never been baptized up to that point, because I was just like, there's something missing. I'm not like these other kids that I see getting mm. baptized at church. Like, surely there's something that's going to Define me more so that I, I can feel like those other people, and I never really got there. I never really got there. So, um, so then I kind of fell off going to church um, and didn't really want to have anything to do with it because I felt pretty burned, which I think is kind of a common thing that happens to a lot of folks. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of people that's a part of their story. So, um, but to me, it wasn't just I don't want church. It was just like I don't want any of it. I didn't have a relationship with God for for a really long time. Uh, so then I went off to college, did what I did in college. Um, and, um, and then after graduating, um, I, up to that point, had had a really close relationship with both of my parents, my mommy and my dad. Um, and, but after college, um, I found out some things about my dad that uh, led to me not having a relationship with him anymore. Um, he, in a nutshell, the tiniest nutshell, he um, committed identity theft and took out a lot of loans under my name and left me with about 50K in debt that I had no idea about. And so that was really the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> there were a lot of things leading up to that point that um, I was letting slide, but that that kind of opened my eyes to the type of person that he was. and and uh, And so that kind of rocked my world because I think a lot of times as kids we think That if our parents are half decent people, then they know what's best, and uh, and uh, we're safe with them, and we can trust them. Um, And I didn't feel like that anymore. So that kind of rocked my world, and it really sent me into a tailspin. I had no um, solid footing at that point. I didn't have a relationship with God, and so. it, I just had so much doubt. I don't know if anybody in here has had an experience where they really trusted someone or something. Maybe it was a relationship or a job that you had or something. And when that went away or you lost that, it's almost like you're like looking over your shoulder. You're like, "Do I even believe myself? Like, is the sky even blue? I'm not even sure really, because so much of your foundation was kind of like swept out from under you." And that's that's kind of how I felt for a while. And so. Um, I started drinking (laughs) really heavily at that point. That was kind of, um, it, it just sent me into that kind of a tailspin. And so, um, yeah, I just started partying a lot, and a lot of it was to kind of, like, calm my brain and just, um, distract myself a little bit from the pain that I was feeling because of the loss of that relationship with my dad, but also... I just didn't really have that much going on. I didn't have a relationship with God. um, And it kind of felt like that was just kind of a space filler. Um, So um, I did that a lot. And I hung out with some people that I probably wouldn't hang out with now because of those habits. And uh, hung out at places that I probably... No, my bedtime is like 9.30 now. So I definitely wouldn't have gone. I'm (laughs) not going to any of those places anymore. Um, So... Um yeah, so that, that went on for several years. That went on for several years. Um, then, let's see, then, all the while, I know my mom prayed for me like every day, I'm sure, as a lot of mamas do. Um, and I can't thank you enough for that, Mom. Um, so they started going to Wellhouse, my mom and my stepdad, Butch. Um, and, uh, mom was never like, mom and I are really close, so we talk about a lot of things, and so I would come to her with all of these problems where I'm sure she could be like, I know the solution, like, you're not sleeping, and you're partying, that's why you're upset right now, it's not, you know, so she easily could have said, well, you just need to put down the bottle and come to church, like, she could have easily said that, and, um. But that would have totally shut me down. And so I know that she, she knew that. And it was, it was really her gentle persistence. Like, I knew they were going to church. She would always just be like, you know, you, she would listen to, listen to all my woes and help me talk through things and think through things. And then just unrelated would be like, well, you, what are you doing? You could come with us if you want. It was always just this, like, very casual... Um, and, and gentle persistence that uh, it was just always there. And so I'm just partying, doing my thing, whatever. And at some point, um, I, I just was like nearing a rock bottom experience, like nearing there. And it was the fall a few years ago. I don't really know what year it was. But, um, and I started sporadically coming to Wellhouse because I kind of just like... I knew it was the right thing to do, and I could feel myself going to a place that I, I, I knew wasn't good. And so I would come every once in a while, and I'm sure a lot of you in this room saw me come, and y'all were so nice to me. It was like the opposite of what I expected at a church experience, which at that point in my life was super refreshing. Um, and I remember Jason saying during one of the sermons, he used to say this all the time, like, you know, welcome. We don't care what you did last night. We're just glad that you're here. And I'd be in my seat like, good thing you don't care <laughs> because <laughs> I wasn't doing nothing good. Um, but it just made me feel like, okay, maybe I could. Maybe this is maybe this is a place that I could actually belong. Uh, that t- that feeling. It took a while for that to build up, but it, it started to build up. Um, so that was the fall, and then. On New Year's Eve, I partied very hard, and the next day, one of my best friends, um, she was like, "I think you have a problem. I think you should maybe look at this. Um, not everybody's doing this as much as you. Not everybody is hungover half of the week. Not everybody is missing work because of it, or you know, like dropping responsibilities, etc." Um, she was like, "This has just gone too far. I think you need to look into this." So I did. Um, and I just stopped drinking for like two years, I guess. Um, and in that time, the first few months that I stopped drinking, I was like, oh, everything's going to change. Like I'm going to be, everything's going to change now. Like I'm going to feel that wholeness now and I'm going to, that, that emptiness that I was trying to fill with that, like I'll just heal, you know, um. But it didn't really happen that way. I still felt rootless, you know. Um, and then on top of that, could no longer hang out with the friends or do all of the activities that I was doing previously. Because if you are ever a sober person in a room full of drunk people, it sucks. <laughs> it's not fun. It's not fun. You're like, oh, man, I did that? Oh, Lord. So... Um, so that wasn't fun anymore um, so anyway I was just having to rebuild my life in a lot of ways um, and I was really searching you know I was really searching for something that would um, take the place of all of that, that lifestyle. Um, so then I really just dove into coming to Wellhouse. so I started coming every Sunday and I really kind of laid low for a while and I didn't want, excuse me, didn't want to dive in super quickly. Um, But I came, I asked Jason for a Bible reading plan because I was like, man, I haven't even really touched this thing since I was a kid. I don't know where to start. So I started, I just like poured myself into uh, reading scripture. Um, I became part of a house group, Allie and Sawyer's house group, and I owe that group so much uh, because of the belongingness that it made me feel. Is that a word?
0: I think we talked about that word, belonging. We came up with think, it the other day. We, we just kind of made word. that word up. It's
1: a word. Um, yeah, so I just kind of threw myself into this, this, this community, um, and um, the rest is kind of history.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things I remember you and I talking about um, in, in the midst of that story that I thought were just such, such pivotal moments for you, you know, especially when you began to, to get on this quest of soberness and at that time, it wasn't even like a spiritual quest necessarily. It was sort of that because you were still, because of, of your background, you know, you, you, you kind of felt like the other when you were kind of a, a, a high school student in, in church and then you had this divorce that, that settled in. And then the one place that you did find identity was in relationship with family and then that kind of failed. And then so you're like, okay, now I was already feeling like the other over here and I feel like the other here. And then this one place that I find uh, belonging or identity. Now I feel like the other there. And so there's this whole sense of otherness, and then you find at least what you thought was some identity in this group of friends that, that were doing some things that maybe they could do at a healthy rate, but you couldn't. It excelled you into uh, you know, addiction and those sorts of things. So here we are in that, and now you feel like the other. And I remember one of the things that you told me, you said, you know, I thought I could put down the alcohol, but continue to stay in those circles. And in that moment, I thought to myself, because you, you and I, as we, we talked about this, it was almost like you were not at the point yet where you were, were building your life around God. You were just trying to insert God into a couple of slots and hope that all that took hold. And so there was a moment, though, that you mentioned uh, You mentioned a specific word, and I'm going to let you kind of get there, is that, that it moved from me just trying to insert God into my life and still dabble and do some things to, to kind of like blanking the slate and be, beginning to build your life then around God. And there's a difference in those two, trying to insert God into my life and building my life around God. And so what was that? You, you, you talked about kind of this, this concept that really what moved you from, and you used the word wholeness, what moved you from otherness in a lot of areas of life to now wholeness what was that? What was that process and what was what, what happened in that kind of beyond just a reading plan or the occasional coming to, to Wellhouse? Um, what what was what happened to really make this like kind of that light bulb moment, that defining moment, what began to happen in that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. I kind of skipped over that. Um, so in this time of when I when I stopped drinking. And I was coming to Well House, and I was trying to get into it, um, still trying to hang out with the same group of friends. So a friend had a party, and I went over there, and I was, you know what? I was so bored that I dared a drunk guy to eat a pepperoni, and he did. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's off You're about like the dog treat? The dog treat. Pepperoni. The yes. dog treat. My dog that's loves That's beside those. the point, and I'm sorry for that diversion, but...
0: It's part of your it story. It is funny.
1: It part is funny. I had to get my kicks. I was so bored. Hmm. Uh, anyway, so I'm at this party, and I got really hungry. And so we called the pizza guy. Pizza guy didn't answer the phone. Other pizza guy didn't answer the phone. We couldn't get any food delivered. So me and one of my friends went to, and this was out in East Nashville, so we went to the Three Crow Bar, and we were going to get some food there. And so it was St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day. Everybody's drinking Guineas, it seems like everybody. When you you have a drinking problem, it seems like everybody's drinking but you. But anyway, so everybody is drinking and eating whatever. So I get some chicken tenders and I'm like, you know, I could have a beer. I could have one beer, I could totally do it. I've been sober for three months, I could do this. So I get a beer and it's like, you know, I've drank that much. And at that time in my life, no solid ground tangled up in here, anxious, depressed, having a really hard time, that much alcohol just like totally changed my brain and what I was thinking. And so um, I went from being fine and thinking like I'm, you know, I'm pursuing sobriety, I'm you know, I'm not dating anybody, I'm just trying to focus on me and trying to dive into the word and blah, 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 to drinking that much thinking, you know, like, I could probably, if I finish this one and my friend isn't finished with his, then I'll go ahead and get another one. And then we'll go back to the party and if that guy is still there, then I'll talk to him and see if he, you know, like, if he wants to flirt with me and and I might have a few more drinks there and I can always stay at her house, like, she's fine with that, da, 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 da. So I go into this, like, spiral of um, what's the word of making sense of drinking basically and and making excuses for it and and just like totally ditching my goals basically Um, so I have one beer at this bar we go back to the party surprise surprise everybody was either passed out or had left and I was like well I guess that's my answer nobody's hanging out anymore and I went home um, and the next morning, I woke up, and I didn't have the shame of a hangover, or what did I do last night, or any of those feelings. Um, and that's when I realized how pursued I was by God. Because if any little thing had been different that night, if I would gotten another beer at that, cause at that point in my life, I, it was really hard to just stop at one. Um, so if I had gotten another beer at that bar, if my friend had, hadn't been done with his and I grabbed another one, you know, or if that guy had been at the party when I got back or if everybody was still hanging out when I got back, my night would have taken a turn that would have put me right back where I started. And that was what I was trying to get away from. Um, and so I knew at that point that that, that was God, there's no other explanation. There, are so many, there were so many conditions that could have been met that night that would have led me to a really dark place again, and they, and they didn't happen. And I'm sure a lot of y'all have those moments where you're like, okay, yeah. I mean, that's the only explanation is, um, is that God was really pursuing me in that moment. And when I recognized that God was pursuing me in that moment, I could look back and see all of the moments leading up to that moment where where he was pursuing me um, and so that was that was when I just surrendered or came as close to surrender as I can um, and and that was really the point when I dove into like the reading plans and really getting involved at church and everything because it was like this he is leading me to where to what I need to be filling my time and my heart and my soul with um, so, yeah. And and I
0: just love that that imagery that you know you talked about when we, we met and you kind of alluded to there was that it was this moment when you you just stopped. You know, you, you you stopped and in that moment you realized not only what you need you needed to pursue, but who had been pursuing you all along. Yeah. And it wasn't like this this even guilty walk home at night where you got to go, you know, well, I got to go drag myself back to God. It was like, no, God was already there. And in that moment. Um, and and so, so when surrender entered that equation, that's when that transition began to, to happen. And, and so for anybody listening, you know, I know there's a lot of us who feel this, what she talks about, this sense of otherness. Like you just don't fit here and you don't fit here and you don't feel as good enough here. And then you've got circumstance here. And then what you did feel good about all of a sudden, you know, began to, to kind of crumble as well. And, and so how do you move from otherness to wholeness? And while it's a process and there's going to be these little moments in it, surrender is such a big part of that. And I think that's key because we feel like that it's something like, a, like something we got to go and work toward. You know, I've got to work and grab and hustle and, and all those kinds of things. And God's saying, listen, if you'll just stop, stop running, stop chasing, I'm already pursuing you. I'm already here. And so, you know, one of the things we talked about was that in your life, otherness moved to wholeness when surrender, when surrender uh, entered the equation. And so when you just surrendered to the pursuit that was already happening, God kind of met you in that place and began to do some things that you didn't even think uh, were even possible, um, and so you know even in those dark, you talked about rock bottom, lowest places. Uh, I love that you had this 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 moment that led to you going, oh wow, God, even in these places, you were here, working on my behalf, putting people in my life, a praying mom. And all of these things begin to, to suddenly fill in those gaps that you'd been filling with other things. filling in those gaps. It's kind of like, um, you know, water. Uh, we had a friend's house that was, had some water in the basement and trying to figure out where it came from. And, and come to find out it was coming from upstairs in a busted pipe. Mm-hmm. And water always does what? It always finds or seeks the lowest places and it begins to fill up. And I read something this last week that said God works in that same way. He always finds or seeks the lowest places. And when he finds those lowest places, he immediately begins to fill it up. And he begins to fill it up with his power, his glory, his spirit. And in that transformation through your surrender, things really begin to happen. And so to use that water, I mean, uh, there was just a a flood of resource that came your way was there not? I mean, what happened? I mean, like, and this is my favorite, one of my favorite parts of your story is that when you had that moment that next morning, says, "Okay, I can't go part in on this. I'm going to do the full surrender. I'm going to I'm going to just give it over. I'm going to I'm going to break some ties. I'm going to not just give up this one element. I'm really going to begin to shape and build my life around God." What happened after that? I mean, there were like these amazing things that began to happen yeah. that God resourced you with just the right things for the next chapter.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It, uh, so that was St. Patrick's Day. It was really that, that eye-opening experience. Um, and then shortly thereafter, became more of an active member here at church, joined a house group. Um, and then on April 28th is the first date with my current husband. Um, And um, I was not ready for him. tears (laughs) um I wasn't ready for him he's such a godly man and for so long I didn't want anything to do with godly men honestly because I didn't want to face that part of me that was missing um so a month and like two weeks after I really was just like Jesus take the wheel as they say um I met Michael and um he's the greatest gift that I've ever had um and I became more active here at Wellhouse and started teaching the kids, which is also another amazing blessing. Um, yeah, I mean, the blessings, yeah. what is it? Prayers go up and the blessings come down. That's what happened, for sure. And it, I mean, in such a short amount of time, you know? Crazy. It <laughs> is.
0: And, and here's, here's kind of what I want, want them to leave with today is that when you surrender your life to God's will, which is what you did you're going to discover the resources to live life fully as God designed. And God had designed you from day one to live this full life. All it needed was for you to have that moment of surrender. And he began to fill your life. You've mentioned it. I mean, community, whether that's through church or house groups or, you know, you're like, man, how am I going to replace these friends that that are, you know, kind of what I do and who I am and he did it. And how am I going to replace this? some bad experiences with men. And he did that with a godly man. And and, uh, to date, one of my favorite weddings I've ever done uh, was you and Michael. I've never had anybody come back to me and say, hey, can we get a manuscript of what you said? Because we didn't hear a single word of it. Um, No lie for those that weren't there. This was kind of the picture. Uh, It was her and and Michael, and it was almost like no one else was in the room. And I know that they're really, they really—it it was. And um, so I'm probably 15 minutes into kind of my ceremony, and they haven't stopped talking to each other.
1: Kind of rude, like, I guess. Are you
0: okay? It's hot in here. Did you get something to eat today? What are we going to do this afternoon? It was like this beautiful moment of uh, <laughs> of. It was almost like, hey, we're getting ready to do the rings. You guys ready? You know, kind of a. And I tell that because I could just tell that God had done something so unique and special in that moment and that this was going to be really a catalyst uh, to be paired with these other catalysts to really take you into the next stage of life. And, and I was just so happy for that moment. And so um, it's amazing what happens when we just stop running and we surrender our lives not only has he began to restore your faith in Father, mm-hmm. not only has he brought you down a path of, of overcoming addiction, he has brought you to a place of beginning to work through forgiveness. He has brought you to a place of experiencing true love. And he has brought you to a place where you have moved from otherness to wholeness. And your identity has been shaped by him. And so it's no longer, I don't. I, I, my otherness is now uniqueness, and uh, I'm just so happy uh, for you. And, and so, Rachel, I just want you to know you know, God is still writing your story. There are chapters that are going to continue, and there's going to be more to tell. And so uh, I know that you will, but I just want you to continue to tell everyone you meet and in those house groups and in those circles that this is my story. And so if you feel like this outsider, you don't feel like you fit, there is a place where God will... Uh, will take you if you have just kind of just stop running and so thank you. I want to pray over you and, and pray for the story that has been and the story to come and, and again just so grateful for you telling your story.
1: Thank you for and, asking me it's been yeah. really great experience.
0: You're welcome. Father this morning we just uh, are so grateful for the stories like Rachel's. You know, sometimes we think that story has to exist after decades of bad choices and decades of mistakes, and sometimes they happen early in life. In fact, they always happen early in life. And I'm grateful for the ones who grab that quickly and understand that and, and uh, will get to experience so much in life now under this surrender this surrendered life. And so God I'm I'm grateful that you you pursued her through all those low places, those dark places. And I, I'm grateful that you didn't leave her in this land of otherness for most of her life. Instead, she's going to live most of her life in this sense of wholeness. And so God, we we praise you for that. We're thankful for that. We're we're grateful that she has chosen to surrender her life and in doing so, God, she's chosen to pour into other people. Pouring into house groups and kids and her husband, and we're just grateful for all those avenues now that you're allowing uh, this, this fullness that she has experienced to begin to, 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 to find other places to fill and other spaces to seep into. So God, do a mighty thing through her, continue to work through her, continue to just uh, to fill her up in these, these gaps. God, help her to, to um, continue to write and live into the story that you're writing for her. We pray these things through your son's name. Amen. You guys thank Rachel this morning. You know, as we sat in that coffee shop last week and talked through her story, I couldn't help but think of uh, Jesus and the lost sheep. It's a story in Luke chapter 15 that. there's a sheep that just has kind of wandered away. It, it was the other. And the story says that, that Jesus was in the midst of some religious people, and the religious people looked over and said, well, what kind of guy eats with sinners and others? And Jesus says, well, let me tell you a story. There's a guy who had a hundred sheep, and one of them went astray, wandered off, and he says, the shepherd went and he found the sheep. If you read the text, verse 4 says this. i put this on the screen for just a second. It says, suppose a man had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And then verse 6, he says, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders goes home if you read the rest of that story he says when he gets home he calls up all his friends he says hey neighbors let's get together rejoice with me I have found my lost sheep so here's what I see in this and I see it in Rachel's story you know she said that what she saw was that God had been pursuing her all along you know unlike the prodigal son she didn't have a long journey back she just had to stop and turn around it was like God was right there because he was already pursuing what was lost. And there's a couple things in that story as I sat at that coffee shop and I listened to a new gospel story, one being told by Rachel. I saw the characteristics of God. I saw that God goes. I saw that God carries. Notice that when he found the sheep, when he found Rachel... He didn't prod her back with guilt and shame and said, Okay, you know what you've done. Now you've got a long trip back, and I'm gonna stand right here behind you and make sure you don't make any more mistakes getting there because you know what? You're almost out of mistakes. He didn't kick the sheep in the rear and say, Well, I want you to know what you've cost me. You've cost me my afternoon. Been out here all day looking for you, and it's hot. I'm sweaty. Not to mention, do you know what's back at the house that I had to risk? No, it says that he, he went into the countryside. And when he found it, I love this. I missed this for so many years about Jesus and the story that he told here. It says he joyfully picked it up and put it on his shoulders. And he picked you up and he put you on his shoulders. I love my dogs. Now I'm going to cry. But this is the picture I have. That Jesus... Is petting the head of that lamb. And he's saying, Oh, I'm so glad that you're safe. I'm so glad that I found you before it was too late. And I'm going to take you and I'm going to put you back into the hole. I'm going to restore you into the flock. And then he parted. Guys, we got to continue to figure out how to party when Jesus carries lost people home. So here's what we're going to do. You know, as Rachel and I again, we sat and we talked about this story. And I, I don't know if you know it or not, but you are a big part of her story. Because when she came through the doors of that old skate center at that time, she was expecting one thing and found another. She found an environment that she could heal. She found an environment that loved her, valued her, noticed when she wasn't here. Gave her a place to not only sit down, but gave her a place to serve. And in that, she found Jesus. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna continue to go. We're gonna seek relationship with people who don't have it all together. We're gonna share stories of how we don't have it all together. And when they come, we're going to continue to create environments that allow people to pace and allows them space in order to grow. And we're going to carry. We're going to start putting weaker people, lost people on our shoulders and say, listen, let me help you carry. And then we're going to party. We're going to continue to celebrate stories. We're going to continue to celebrate what God is is doing in the midst of our culture and in the midst of people. Paul wrote of Jesus. He said that Jesus said, as he was kind of concluding the second letter that he wrote to these people in Corinth, he says that my grace is sufficient for you. He says, for power is made perfect in my weakness. And so if you're in these places where you go, listen, I am weak, I am too tired to walk back, can I just tell you, His grace is sufficient. And through your weakness, you'll see a display of power. I think Rachel would tell you that through her weakness, she saw an ultimate display of power, and it changed her life. If you will stand with me, we're going to move into a moment of communion And this communion really is just a matter of us celebrating wholeness. It's celebrating community, and we do it with the whole. So everyone's invited into this moment of communion. Everyone is welcome. There's no outsiders. There's no others this morning. There's just wholeness. If there's anything that you heard this morning I want you to celebrate your uniqueness but I want you to know that you are part of a larger picture a larger story a larger family we celebrate that in communion it's where we come in contact with the grace that is sufficient it's where we come in contact with the one who will leave the 99 it's where we come in contact with the one who carries it's the place we can unload some stuff that we can't carry and guess what it's a party it's a celebration that we get to say God thank you for doing what I couldn't do for myself Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making me whole. And so we're going to celebrate that this morning. So Father, we pray that in this moment of communion, that someone here this morning that feels like the other will begin to realize that there is a place that they can be valued and loved and whole, and it's within relationship with you. So Father, will you just allow someone this morning to stop running? Will you allow them to turn around and see that you've been pursuing all along? God, will you pick up someone this morning that just doesn't have the strength to take another step? Will you just pick them up and carry them? God, we will return all glory and praise and celebrate you in every twist and turn and letter and sentence that you're writing in the lives of each other. Thank you for story. Thank you for the story of Jesus that allows us again to experience this powerful transformation, this transformation that leads to new life. We pray this through his name. Amen. you are dismissed to the tables this morning.